Hey, my name is Dominic. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to be with you. If you have a Bible, we're going to conclude James chapter 5 today. So turn to James chapter 5 in print, in digital, and we'll go with that. Uh, also, just a note, anybody still doing Proverbs with me? Yeah, I see a couple. Come on, whoop, whoop. We're getting wiser. If you need wisdom, come on, Mike, go right there. He's got his hand up. Uh, Proverbs 28 today. If you forgot, if you fell off, we have just a couple more days. We're going to end the day before Thanksgiving, finishing Proverbs 31. So the challenge and the encouragement to dive into God's word, seek wisdom, pray for wisdom. We're doing that together as a community. It's not too late. Proverbs 28, starting today. Okay? We conclude, James, and as we talked about wisdom for every day, we've looked at these different pearls of wisdom that James has been giving to us. We see right out of the gate, he's, he's writing to the believer who's dispersed, because persecution has come. It started with the stoning of Stephen, and then the church scatters. It's these men and women who have placed their faith and confidence into the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is the awaited Messiah that they'd been longing for. He was the hope that they'd been hearing about, generation after generation, that they'd been hearing about. Here he's come, God incarnate, taking on flesh to then now become the penalty that was due for us, to then die a death that was for a criminal, and yet... He's buried, rises again triumphantly, and offers this gift of life. And these men and women have put their faith in him and confidence, but now they've scattered. And James, as a pastor, is writing to these churches and to these men and women to remind them of what it's like to live as kids of the kingdom. He's not talking about salvific things. He's talking about this is the rules. This is a new operating system for those who have been touched and transformed by the living God, Jesus, Yeshua, the one that saves. And in that, he reminds them to, I know you're having troubles and you're suffering and you're persecuted and you're fearful and you're tired and you're fatigued, but to hang in there, to count it all joy. And you can do that because satisfaction is found in Jesus. Sufficiency is found in him for all things in life. And he's with you and you can trust him and, and it's producing, it's maturity that's happening in you. There's an endurance, there's a, a maturation that's happening as you learn to count it joy. And if you don't know how to do it, he says you can ask God and he gives it generously. He gives wisdom without reproach, never rebuking, never shaming, but just saying if you need wisdom, you can ask and I'll help you. And how to interact with one another. He, he talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and, and be doers of the word that as you're looking at God's word, that you would just be somebody that puts it into practice. We see that, that for James, that's a very key thing. What good is your orthodoxy? You believe right in who Jesus is, but your faith needs to now be expressed in outward expression so that others might know him. And so here's how you do that. You care after the widow and the orphan. You put into practice what God has said, that you tame your tongue and you don't show favoritism and you treat each other with preference and deference and you, you don't boast and you, you're not greedy, but you're generous. And so for four chapters, we've been seeing just the rules of kingdom living. And as God's transformed them and for those of us in this room that have been touched by Christ and Christ is in us and we're in him this morning, we look at rules of the kingdom of how to live out the, the good news that has touched us, the truth, as James talks about, that has transformed us. That it's not a real faith if it's just inside, and it's time to express it. Let it go.
let it go. I'm sorry, I had a little daughter. And it's like, <laughs> we watched Disenchanted the other night. I don't recommend it. Um, last week, we talked about seeing how to be generous with what he's given us. We've been resourced to resource others. And, and out of all the things that James does, he concludes his letter to his brothers who are scattered, to his sisters who are scattered. They're fearful that they're, they're starting to grumble against each other because that's what happens when the temperature turns up in the home sometimes. And he's saying, that's not who you are. Remember, endure, endure, endure. And of all things that he could have said, he closes with these final words. He says, verse 12, he says, Above all, brothers, do not swear, not by heaven, not by earth, or anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy or cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. Verse 14, is any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah is a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed that the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if any of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from the death, from, save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. In six verses, in his closing statement, six of the verses, he repeats seven times the idea to pray. Of all the tools that he could give and all the resources and all the things that he's gone to, he says the most powerful thing that we can do is pray. And James's nickname was Old Camel Knees because he was known to be one that was prostrate and on his knees a lot, praying. And so it seems fitting that Old Camel Knees would say, brothers and sisters, endure. And here's how you endure. It's not by your strength, it's by your humility bowing before one that's greater than you. When, James has a, uh, or when Jesus has a conversation with the woman in Sychar, the woman at the well, they get into a, a theological conversation, and he, instead Jesus steers it, and he says this, those who will worship me will worship me in spirit and truth. And the word worship that we get is where we get our word prostate, not prostate, but prostrate. Sorry, I'm getting older. You fall prostrate before one that's greater than you. It literally means like a dog licking his master's hand. That's how you're supposed to come before the Lord. I recognize there's none greater than you, so I humble myself before you. That's how you're going to come to me. And those that will do that will worship me in such a way in spirit and truth. And similarly, James says, the power comes from humility and humbling yourself. He says, instead of these vows that you're making, these, these really just frivolous vows, just let your yes be yes and your no's be no. And if anyone is in trouble, you should pray. Well, we know they're in trouble. They're scattered. They're fearful. They're missing their family, their possessions, everything that's going on in life. And he says, pray. That same word is used in verse 10 when he talks about patience in the face of suffering and the prophets. And he points them to these prophets who are heroes of faith. And he says, Endure in that way. So prayer seems to be acknowledging that there's suffering happening 
and that I can humble myself enough in that suffering, in that persecution, in that wrestling with evil, in that uh, hardship that's happening, I can humble myself to pray. And I'm praying for relief, and at the same time, I'm praying for endurance to suffer the suffering that's there. I humble myself before a God who knows and is well acquainted with suffering. That he's experienced everything I have, yet without sin. Are you in trouble? Pray. Is anyone happy or cheerful? This, he says, let them sing a song of praise. It literally means string a strung instrument. It's what John just did for us this morning. And there's a connection between prayer and singing that James is pointing us to, that literally song is an expression in a form of prayer that we can go to God with. As a musician, I've studied sort of music throughout the ages, and neuroscience has come up with this beautiful discovery. It's music is one of the few things that has the right and left hemisphere of the brain activating at once. Usually when we hear information, we respond with our emotional, I don't believe what he said. I can't believe he said prostate. <laughs> and then the rational brain catches up. Wait, okay. But music is getting the emotional and rational brain to speak to each other at the same time. Are you cheerful? You sing a song. How great thou art. My rational and emotional brain are catching up at the same time to speak this truth about God. That he's good and he's faithful and I can recall story after story where he's done that. And my emotional brain can tear up sometimes. I think you've seen me cry on stage several times. It's probably because I look at Bill and Bill makes me cry. The emotional and the rational. How great thou art. Are you cheerful? Sing a song of praise, a form of prayer. Is any of you sick? He should call on the elders, the, the men that have been called to lead the church, the overseers of the church, to pray for them and anoint them with oil. Anointing with oil, is, we only see it one more time, and it's in, in Mark chapter 6, where the 12 go out and they cast out demons and anoint people with oil and heal them. And it's up for debate of why it happens, but some would say it's a medicinal, actually like they came with medicine. And some would say that it was for setting apart the things of God, that you would anoint somebody with oil to say set apart. The point I think that James is trying to make is not about who's praying or what means you use as a symbolic act, whether medicine or to set apart with oil. But this, it's prayer in the name of the Lord. Prayer in the name of the Lord is literally going out as a delegate, as a representative of the kingdom, as a messenger of the king. I go in his authority to represent his kingdom in the name of the Lord. This is true with what God's heart is, so I can pray in such a way. This is true of God's nature, so this is true for what he would want for his people. With his authority, for his glory, I get no glory in the sense of that. You see when the, the disciples would heal, and they would say, it's Jesus who did it. I don't, I don't have any power in myself to do this. It's, it's in the name of Jesus. It's, it's, I know who I'm talking to. He's the father of lights. He's the giver of good gifts. He's compassionate and merciful. He's generous. He's with us. He's coming again. And so in his authority, as his messenger, I now pray in such a way. 
And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The sick person means both the person who has physical infirmity and the one who's suffering spiritually. Both are needs that need to be met, and we can pray in such a way for that person. And catch who does it. The Lord will raise him up. Not the elders who raise him up. Not the one who prays who has the right words to say. It's not an incantation or the, the, the words that we need to say. And if I pray in the wrong way, uh-oh. Don't ever ask Dom for prayer again. No, in the name of the Lord, a prayer made in faith, we'll see right here. And the Lord is the one who will raise him up. Literally out of slumber, from a lying position, the Lord raises him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. That's the Lord who forgives. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. There seems to be something that James is saying that the natural part of being in community with one another is a regular confession of sin to one another. There's a regular accountability of sharing and spurring each other on. And he says, in doing that and praying for something, that there's healing that happens. It's true in my own life. When I became a believer, a man named Jeff mentored me. He literally grabbed me out of church one day and said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I was like, this guy's crazy. And I began meeting with him, and we would go to the water in the mornings at 5 o'clock, and we'd sit there, and we'd pray and study Scripture. And he created the space for me that I could all of a sudden share everything that was going on in my life, and I mean everything. He once said, you could describe that you threw up without describing what you threw up inside of there, but thanks for doing that. You didn't need to point out the hot dog and the piece of cake that you had. You could have just said you threw up, but thank you. And I was so touched by God, I was like, I'm new. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This is the old, I'm not defined by this person anymore. I'm defined as new and righteous. My righteousness is because Jesus has become my righteousness. So I can share without shame or fear. And there was healing in that. He didn't do anything magical. He just listened and responded and prayed and was attentive and prayed and pointed me to God and prayed. We get to do that as a community, and there's power in that, and it's effective. It literally means great power. So as James's listeners and readers are reading this, they're going, okay, and he does this really ninja move. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah is a hero of faith for the Israelites. If you don't know the story of Elijah, Elijah in 1 Kings is this prophet who comes, and in 1 Kings 16, he goes to King Ahab. And King Ahab, it says that there's never been a more wicked king since that, before his time. He comes in, and he's an idolater. And instead of worshiping Yahweh, he adopts Baal worship. And Baal is the god of weather. And, and Crops, crops in an agricultural society, they're, they're needing rain. And so they're crying out, Baal, make it rain, Baal, make it rain. Different expression than make it rain for some of us, but rain, please. And the Lord sees this and, and sends Elijah to go. And he says, the Lord told me to tell you, and I'm praying that it would not rain. And for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. 
And in that time, Ahab's wife Jezebel is killing all the prophets and, and men are hiding in caves. And Elijah comes back and three and a half years later and he says, meet me on a mountain. Bring all your Baal prophets. Bring your 450 and then another 450 and let's have a competition. Let's see whose God is God. And they get to Mount Carmel and 450 Baal prophets are slashing themselves with knives and they're bleeding out and they're crying out, Baal, make it rain. And they, and they set up two altars and there's a bull and, and they just said, hey, a bull and wood and your God whose God will light that on fire. Baal, make it rain. Baal, make it rain. Baal, please God, please Baal, 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 Baal. And Elijah's sitting there going, is your God on the toilet? Is he asleep? Maybe he can't hear you a little bit louder. Baal, make it rain. Baal, make it rain. Baal, make it rain. And eventually he goes, are you guys done? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to dig a trench, and you're going to pour buckets upon buckets of buckets of water so that you know I didn't have any witchery with me. You know I don't have any matches up my sleeve. I'll stand back here. You dump on water. And it said that the water was overflowing and pouring out of this ditch and this tunnel that he, he, he dug. And he gets on his knees and he says this beautiful prayer. I'll just read it to you. First Kings 18. He says, O Lord, God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and have done all these things that you commanded. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so that the people will know you, oh God, that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Not, would you show off and show me that I am the man? No, would, oh God, you're God and I'm your servant. <laughs> would you show your hesed and your loving kindness even to these people? to show that you're God so that you could turn their hearts back towards you, back to the truth of who you are. And boom, it says the fire like comes and it licks up the water. Seize those guys. Kill them off. God is God. And you see people going, the Lord is God. He's a hero. He's a story that is the nighttime story of he's like, you know, tell me what Iron Man did again. Tell me what Superman did again. No, it's Elijah. He's bad. And when he prays, stuff happens. Right before that, he heals the dead and he allows oil and bread to come back and pray and they never run out of food. And He's just a hero. They talk about him all throughout Scripture in the New Testament and Old Testament. And so when James says the audacious statement that Elijah is a man just like me, just like us, he recenters people's attention in that moment that as you pray, you don't need to be the super Christian. Elijah, who's the superhero of faith, all he knew was that it's the person that he prayed to and where the power came from. When it rains again in 1 Kings 18, we see that Elijah is on his knees praying in faith, expectantly in the God that he's praying to. 
And as he's praying, he sends a servant and says, go look, is it raining yet? Because I know God's going to make it rain. He told me he was. We see prayer is conversational. It's not a one-sided bail, make it rain. It's Yahweh speaks back to his people. Is it raining yet? Go check again. God, make it rain so that you can be known and show you that you're God. No, seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I see a little hand coming out of the ocean. And he goes, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. The Lord is God. Elijah is a man just like me and you. When he prays, miracles happen. When he prays, the impossible and the unthinkable happens. But the confidence and the prayer of faith, I know who I'm speaking to, the confidence in that God will do what he says he's going to do, the confidence in knowing his character and nature, and the confidence of being, I can humble myself, therefore, before this God who is greater than I am, get like old camel kneels and pray for the sick, pray for the suffering, pray for those who are cheerful, and expect him to do exceedingly and abundantly that I could ask or imagine. That's how he closes his letter. And so a theme that we see in Scripture is James says, do what it says. And so this morning, church, we're going to do what it says. That's the end of the sermon. So what we're going to do this morning instead is we're going to sing as forms of prayer. We're going to call the elders forward this morning of our church to pray with us and for us, for the suffering, for the sick, for the world. And we're going to invite you to pray with us as we pray together. So, lecture lab. You ready? We're going to spend some time in prayer, so I'm going to invite our first elder up this morning. John, you're going to come and sing. Yep, Gabe Calzada, take us away. Good morning, family. My name is Gabe Calzada. I'm one of the elders here. I've been asked to lead us off on a very serious topic. We're going to be praying for suffering. Many of us are suffering in the church today, and suffering takes many forms. You can have physical suffering, financial suffering, emotional suffering, a loss of a loved one. I personally, um, my family's suffering right now. We lost someone very dear to death. We have longings, you know, here in Southern California, we can long for a better house or better financial position. Some of us long to be a parent. Some of us long to have a spouse. All these sufferings are very common. Something that's not really spoken of a lot is mental suffering. So we have family that have struggle with mental illness. This past week, as my family has suffered, uh, you know, I came back to scripture and what does God say, suffering, and came back to Isaiah 43, he says, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God. I really want that to sit with us today. And as I lead us through prayer, we're going to begin by having a little quiet time where 
God cares about your heart, you're going to lay your prayer of suffering to him quietly. Then I'm going to pray for one of my dear family members. And then from there, it's going to be open. I want you guys to pray. And I know it's so hard. But here's what I want you to remember. When we look at each other, we're family. We love each other unconditionally. And this is a safe place. You don't have to have the perfect words or the right words. But if you feel it and you want to share it with us, just say it out loud. So let's get together and as a family, let's pray. Just a moment of silence in the next minute or so. What God has in your heart, just lay it before him. God cares about your heart. Just, just give it to him. begin this prayer with my family for someone we all love, Mary Jane. Mary Jane has a sister who's ill. Lord, I pray that your hand be on her, Lord. Give her the strength to overcome her illness, Lord, and fill her with the spirit. She knows she's loved. Family, let's pray together. Anyone in the audience have a prayer request or Please don't be shy. Sorry, I didn't catch your name. Michael's family, Lord. Thank you, Michael. Heavenly Father, hear our hearts as we pray for hope. Battling cancer, Lord, just be with her. Dear son, Ben, loved by many, Lord, we pray for him. Be with him. Mm, Lord, we pray for those beautiful children, Lord. Help them in their relationship with their dad, Lord. Let it be tight. Here, Jane.
Heavenly Father, hear our prayers. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Because Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. church family. Max Villalobos, I'm one of the elders here, and I'm humbled and honored to be able to serve in this capacity. And I'm here to pray for Thanksgiving. And I would like you to join me in giving thanks. And when I was asked and I thought of what is it that I have to give thanks for the most, there were many things that came up. About 50 years ago, I walked across the border from Mexico with nothing but a soccer ball. And my parents had the gumption, the willingness to take a risk and bring their 11 children across the border for a better life. So I'm grateful for that and I'm thankful for that, but that's not what I'm most thankful for. It was because of that that I came to United States and through youth group I received Jesus Christ into my heart. And so that is what I'm most grateful and thankful for. And the verse that I have to share with you that God gave to me is Galatians 5.1, which is, it says that I and we were set free and were given freedom through Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm grateful for. And it says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to anything again that will cause you to be a slave 
So what has set you free? For me, is receiving Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm most thankful for. But I have a long list here, as I thought of. What do we have to be thankful for at Seacoast? So please join me as we pray. And please pray out, pray out loud. So I'll give us some space to do that. I'll get started and ask you to join me. Heavenly Father, I'm just so grateful and thankful for this church, for this church family. And I am especially thankful, Father, for all our pastors, our staff members, all the volunteers that make this place happen. And I need to single out one brother, who is Jonathan Searle, Father, who has served you, who has given so much to you here, Lord, for the last 13 plus years. Dedicated his life along with Debbie, Lord, to serve this community, to be a connector, to be a lover of people, Lord. And I am thankful for Jonathan and his service and his commitment to you, Lord Jesus. What, other, what others do you have to be thankful? Please join me. Who has blessed you here? ministries have served you. Lord, I'm grateful for our children's and youth ministry, for all those leaders, Father, for Moses, for Katie, for Emil, Father, for Robin, for all of those that serve our children, Lord, and bring them close to you, Lord. Introduce them to you, Lord, and give them the opportunity to know you personally, Lord. I am so grateful for the community that we can reach and we can serve. 
And I just praise you, Lord. There are so many ministries here, Lord, that we are blessed to have. I'm grateful for our facilities, Father, that we could share them with others, that we can introduce people to Jesus Christ, Father. I'm thankful for our outreach, for our Spanish ministry, Father, that is just getting rolling here and what they do throughout the week that we may not even know, Father, that are doing English classes, Lord, as a second language, for mentoring and tutoring, Father, for music ministry, and that we can introduce. We have a mission field right across the street, Lord, so I just praise you for that. And I praise for what you are going to do for Felipe and Liz, Father, and what they're doing to lead that ministry and that outreach for Sunset High School, Father, for Ocean Knowles, for what we do to serve this community, Father, for the community center and everything we can do, Lord, to love on others. We have so much to be grateful and thankful to you for, Father, and we are so blessed. And Father, I just praise you and thank you that you are such an awesome God, Lord, that you've set us free and that we could worship and honor you, Lord. And lastly, I pray, Father, for unity within our church, for our elders, for our pastors, for our staff, for our congregation, Lord. May we always look to you because we want to glorify you, Lord. It's not about us. It's about you, and you've set us free. So I praise you and thank you and ask for you to just bless this season as we give thanks. And I give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Because Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. Because
Good morning. My name's Greg, and I serve as one of your elders here at Seacoast. Um, when Dom asked me to participate uh, this morning in prayer, um, my mind immediately went to people that are suffering uh, and that are sick, um, not only mentally and emotionally challenged or distressed, but, but also physically sick. And I particularly thought of people suffering from cancer. Um, right now, it just seems to be so prevalent. Um, you know, I think of our church family. You know, we prayed recently for uh, Dave and Catherine. Um, you know, Randy also uh, is sick. There's probably many I don't know of. And I'm looking around the room here, and I know there's some that have had successful treatments from cancer. So cancer just seems everywhere right now. And um, I know how hard it is for not only the people suffering from cancer, but, but also their families uh, and their caregivers. I think, you know, we don't know how to treat cancer, so we have to rely on others to be the caregivers and, and do the treatment and try to restore health. And that can be really hard uh, to trust others. Um, really um, emotionally difficult, uh, mentally draining, um, you know, super hard. And I think right now, David, you know, who's going walking through a cancer season with his family, and it's really hard right now. And how um, emotionally um, distressed, how physically draining that has to be. It, it just has to be so hard. And, um, you know, I think of my own family, my nuclear family. Um, Sandy's not with us here this morning because my 81-year-old grandma, or mother-in-law is um, suffering from consequences from her first chemo treatment and uh, she got admitted to the hospital last night. My father-in-law has crazy cancer of his scalp uh, that he's having treatments on right now. My son just ended uh, a thyroid cancer season. I mean, just wonder sometimes, you know, God, what are you up to? Um, I think of my life group. Um, almost every week we pray for mental um, and uh, mental health, and you know, uh, we're a bunch of old guys. Uh, we're, our bodies are breaking down, uh, so we, we always have something to pray about. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, when I have a lot of distress and it's recurring, I, I sometimes have a tendency to feel alone or sometimes helpless. Um, so when I was preparing for today, um, I was drawn to Isaiah. That was funny, gave that drug to you there too, but. You know, in Isaiah um, 41, he talks about how we're his chosen people. Uh, he won't leave us alone. You know, in 41, he says, uh, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the furthest quarters I called you. You are my servants. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So for me, I was super encouraged by that, um, to know that, you know, we are his chosen. And um, I also get, you know, um, Paul in Philippians, where he, he tells us to trust, you know, um, be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. 
Um, okay. So I'd like to do that right now. Uh, I'd like to present my request to God. So would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father God, um, you are an incredible God. Um, one that reached out to us, wanted to know us uh, first. You, you bowed down so that we could get to know you better. Um, Lord, we trust your consistent character. Um, and we know that you won't leave us alone. Rather, you'll strengthen us. Um, Isaiah 33, um, you say, Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in times of distress. Um, Lord, I want to pray that you would reach down uh, with your loving and healing hands and touch everyone that's in distress. Not only uh, the sick, but their families and their friends and caregivers. Lord, I pray that you would heal their heart. I pray that you would heal their mind. I would pray that you would heal their soul. Uh, Lord, um, I also pray that you would heal their physical bodies. And in particular, Lord, I pray that you would restore their bodies, replenish them uh, to a state where they function in a way that you've designed them to function. And Lord, I pray that you would display your, your mercy and compassion to all that are feeling distressed, Lord. And I pray that you would do that now. Amen. Well, th thank you for taking a journey with us in prayer. Thank you, elders, for being here and leading our church and serving in so many areas and facets and for praying for us this morning. And uh, as James closes his letter, he, he does one more challenge. He, he says, be about two things, people of God. And one is this, is that if you see a brother wander, bring him back to the truth. Remind him of the gospel and the good news. So this morning, can I encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you're loved by the king this morning, that you're his, and if you're his, nothing changes that, that he's in you and you're in him, and that's a great place to be this morning, that he's mindful and cognizant of everything that's going on in your life, to so be patient and endure and wait. The Lord is near, as James would say. Come back to right thinking and remembrance of him this morning. And the second is this, if, if someone is caught in sin, that we go to them. We turn the sinner from his error, and it saves him and covers a multitude of sins. If you're a guest this morning and you're like, what did I come to today? <laughs> Would you know that there's a God who is mindful of you today? And he's inviting you into a relationship, not a religion, and his way is the right way. And everything you've been trying on your own and that system of exhaustion and burden, I'm asking you to try something different this morning. I'm asking you to see that the Jesus that we've prayed to and for and sung about and for is the way and he's the truth and he's the life. The life that you're living leads to a way that is death. And the invitation is to respond to life this morning. 
And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you this morning. Our elders would love to talk to you this morning and talk to you about this life that Max talked about, that Gabe has prayed about, that Greg talked about. Jesus has transformed us. And we want the same for you because that's the heart of God. So people of God this morning, be about the things of the word. Do what it says. Thanks for joining us for the book of James. We turn our attention now to Christmas as we leave. As you go, just a reminder, go bless these single moms. Go grab something out on the plaza. Thanks for being with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious. May he show his face to you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you guys.